You're listening to the Kingdom Project Podcast. These are discussions on biblical theology and interpretation. The emphasis is on context and grace. The goal is to promote biblical literacy by displacing and debunking most modern interpretations. The challenge is to engage in healthy conversation that may stretch, but sharpen iron. This is The Kingdom Project, and I'm your host, Marcus Hall. Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome to a new episode. Just want to, uh, before we get started, just go into um, uh, the the description down below the descriptions, you know, the, the links there to help or donate or give to the podcast through PayPal if you'd like. Um, if you've... Uh, if you want to support, if you've benefited in any way and you'd like to just give a little bit of money, you can send it uh, my way through the PayPal me slash Kingdom Project podcast link. And we're on Facebook and there's a discussion group and all that type of stuff. It's not very active, but it's there in case we need it, right? Okay, so um, there's also a link on YouTube. There's a handful of videos there. Kind of got slacking on the... On the uh, Whoa, <laughs> on the the video thing uh, there for a while because it got sick and then it got to be the holidays and all that good stuff. So I'm gonna try to get back into that shortly, and that's about it, I guess. So trying a new mic position here. Don't think I'm digging it. Okay, so we'll have to fix that at some point. And there I fixed it. The magic of recording. <laughs> all right, so. In this episode, I'm going to go over um, the core doctrines, the essentials of Christianity. All right, so, and there's a reason we talk about um, the essentials and the the actual core uh, beliefs or doctrines of Christianity and say, hey, these are the things that matter and everything else would be secondary. So... Um, now it'll be important to point out that in theology, there's actually, actually secondary essentials, but that's not the same as our use of, of saying secondary issues when it comes to different beliefs, like in eschatology or hell and other things like that. Um, I would say it. In theological terms, second, the essential, all right, essential doctrines and essential or secondary essentials, they're kind of one and the same. They go together, but for the sake of the way we've been talking, or I usually talk on here, I'm going to just include them and say these are our, these are tied in with the core doctrines. Um, so they're not secondary. Um, they are completely dependent on the core, uh, doctrines that I'm going to go over here, which are about five, but they all would have sub categories to them. Okay. So these are the main ones that the Bible would point out to be clear 
and are necessary to be a New Covenant believer. Um, then, in terms of the way I've talked on here, secondary issues are other things like eschatology and hell and, uh, man, there's just so many, I guess. But, oh, the, you know, people's different beliefs on baptism and whether it's full immersion or partial or sprinkled with water and things like that, all that stuff is secondary to one's salvation, one being placed in Christ and all that. So, and the reason why I'm doing this is one, I think it's be good to point out for us all to know these things. Uh, <laughs> uh, we should know them. And secondly, because of last year of a handful of episodes I did on um, heresy and um, like the kenosis doctrine or the empty God uh, or Jesus only being a man, right? Things like that to show that some of those things then aren't easy, like these essentials aren't in some people's set of beliefs or doctrines. All right. But it's usually the deity of Christ that upsets me or puts me into the defense of defending the word and defending Jesus. Um, and that, that doctrine of the hypostatic union and whatnot and things like that. And I've probably belabored the point over several episodes. Um, so I'm, I'm pointing these out to say, if you're going to be hard-lined on something and disagree and call out false, a false doctrine or a false belief, it should really coincide with this stuff here. Now, there's, there's still many, many others probably, you know, and there's twisting on many other things, you know, like when people talk about healing and you didn't get healed because you lacked faith, stuff like that. It's like, eh, wouldn't, wouldn't say that. I wouldn't do that. Um wouldn't necessarily call a person a heretic for that <laughs> just saying there's a misunderstanding in what they believe uh when it comes to healing and faith and things like that okay so um so i guess i'm saying doing all this because there're probably going to be a few things in the future that i've been studying that i'm going to bring about on on here on the podcast there's also going to be um a time when we get done with the gospel stuff, probably only a couple more weeks um, at church on going through uh, the gospel or, or tidbit and tying tying up stuff or whatever, we're going to go over Romans five and and things like that um, and break that apart to understand the parallel of being in Adam or in Christ. So, and there's not church today because there was ice and the roads are bad and. When you're a little country church in the middle of the country, um, <laughs> you can't have church if the roads are slick and dangerous. You don't want people getting out and getting in a car wreck or falling and slipping and hurting themselves. So no church today. So I'm recording right now uh, in the morning. So anyway, this is a really long intro. Uh, sorry. Uh, but there are going to be some things. when I'm going to start a series at church called Rethinking and... After the word rethinking, put in a topic or a uh, you know uh, a phrase or, or whatnot. There, be rethinking the tithe, rethinking in times, rethinking the rapture, rethinking hell, rethinking the antichrist, rethinking the mark of the beast, things like that. Rethinking 
you know, whatever it comes. I can probably come up with a very exhaustive list on these things on rethinking. Uh, trying not to wear them out too much on that, but just hit hit upon some some things that are indeed secondary, but people believe they are essentials. That being said, there are some of these things that people do think are essential to their to their theology, and in a sense, those things are they are essential, um, and they're only. They only become essential when you can be consistent with them throughout the whole of your theology. All right. Um, however, it doesn't mean if someone disagrees with you on premillennialism versus postmillennialism or preterism that they are uh, heretical. And it doesn't matter if somebody believes. In eternal conscious torments or conditional immortality, um, that person's not heretical. Um, there are certainly things that are non-negotiable. They're not on the table. They're not being placed before us to negotiate. Those are the things we're going to go over. The other things, though, they are very open to interpretation um, and for one to make a decision on, like hell like the end times um and things like that so (laughs) um i want to be clear on that um although i'd still do dislike when people misinterpret or or twist scripture um i also dislike when somebody gives an illustration first and foremost in their presentation of their preaching, and then use a scripture to try to back up their illustration. That's backwards. You should give a <laughs> you should give the scripture, and then give an illustration. And most of the time, your illustration could actually be used other scripture that will fit the text that you're preaching on. Um, that's that's my personal thing, though. That's usually though when people are just trying, you know. <laughs> I could talk all day on whether or not that's heretical or not. It's probably not, but I believe there's other agendas behind it when people are doing things like that. Okay, so <laughs> almost 11 minutes in, let's just get into the content. Okay, so the Bible itself reveals those doctrines that are essential to the Christian faith. Okay, and, and I would say they are the deity of Christ, the salvation by grace, resurrection of Jesus the gospel, and monotheism, okay? These are the ones that the Bible says are absolutely necessary. And like I said, there's many other important ones, but these are the five, and they have uh, uh, sub, sub points to them, if you will. But these are the five that are actually declared by Scripture to be essential, okay? Um, so, and even though... Like, like I, okay, like the like deity of Christ. That's going to actually be tied in with um, Jesus being the only way to salvation, his virgin birth, and the doctrine of the Trinity. Okay, so I'll, I'll hit upon those. So if you think I'm missing something, just know, um, at least let me get through the list. And if you think there's something else that needs to be in there, 
Well, let me know, okay? But the first and foremost would be the deity of Jesus, that Jesus is God in flesh. All right, so John 8, 5, or John 8, 58 said, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. He's using a God's very statement on who he was, I am. That goes with Exodus 3, 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus, you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Right. All right. So <clears throat> that's the deity of Christ. And we'll get into the, the other part of that, which is the hypostatic union in a moment. But you can go to other verses. We know in John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. One fourteen of John, uh, um, And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And you can go on. There's John 10, 3 through, or, I'm sorry, John 10, 30, through 33 John 20 28 Colossians 2 9 Philippians 2 5 through 8 Hebrews 1 8 and then we have 1st John 4 uh, 2 and 3 that um, by this you know the Spirit of God every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming, and now it is. Here. Um, all right, so there are people, um, Mormon, Jehovah's Witness, atheists, Muslims, the list goes on, that will deny one or more of these essential doctrines that the Bible makes clear, Okay. Uh, that would be in one that the that what I just said needs to be cross-referenced with John 1 1 which we've went over in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God all right this is where he states that the word of God and the word became flesh and first John 4 2 3 is saying that if you deny that Jesus is God in flesh then you are the spirit of Antichrist okay and Jesus uh, and Jesus said that if you do not <clears throat> do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Now in the Greek, it it is I am. <laughs> it's ego uh, ego I am I or something E I M I, which means I am. Before Abraham was, I am, and he was claiming the divine title that came from Exodus three fourteen. So the in the the Greek. Uh, Septuagint in the Hebrew Old Testament, translated into Greek and done by Jews around 250 BC, um, they took that 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 word, the ego, whatever, and said "I am." Okay, so, um, and th that would have been the version that Jesus and the disciples, then and then apostles would have been familiar with. Okay, so in that, in the deity of Christ. We would know then that Jesus is the proper object of faith, right? The faith, your faith is only valid as the person in who you put it in, right? You put your faith in the proper person. Cults and other religions 
they have false objects of faith, false gods, idols, things like that. So their faith then is useless, no matter how sincere they are. Um, Putting your faith in a philosopher, a good teacher, anybody else that's not Jesus to save you, or to think that you think they're saving you from your sins, um, is the wrong object to have your faith in, right? So faith is something, uh, or faith in something false has the same effect as no faith at all. Our faith should be in Christ alone and, and none other. Now, the, doc, the doctrine of the deity of Jesus includes the Trinity, which says there is one God who exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that they are all co-eternal and of the same nature. And this also uh, talks about monotheism as well, that there is only one God in all existence, um, which is backed by Scripture, Isaiah 43.10, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, and there will be none after me. Um, Isaiah 44, 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last, and there is no God besides me. Okay, so, and there's several more in in Scripture. So I want to point out that I've, I've mentioned maybe going into the Divine Council or the Sons of Gods in, in future episodes, and I may do that as far as uh, I may give you guys a somewhat of a, uh, a brief outline or whatnot. It's it's very deep, whole, uh, <laughs> to say the least. However, um, if you guys aren't familiar with that, what, a, what it is is that you have to deal with some of these phrases that are in the Old Testament. It's like right out of the the box, almost uh, third page or so of the of of the Bible in the beginning of Genesis. You know, is uh, the sons of God took daughters of men. Who are sons of God? Most people think it's the Sethite uh, or, or Seth's descend, descendants. So they take a Sethite view, but that would uh, say that. These were just natural humans, and so how do you how do two humans reproduce and make giants and make the Nephilim? And why is God so grieved and upset that He created all this and He wants to wipe it out with the flood? And then the Nephilim still exist after the flood. And what's going on in Job? And Psalm 82 and Deuteronomy 32 that looks back at the Tower of Babel and all of these things that keep talking about sons of God, divine counsel, host of heaven, which in ancient Hebrew thought doesn't consist of angels, consists of other spiritual beings that God had created. I'll leave it right there at that. That being said, on the topic of monotheism, this when you get into that topic and start to explore it, it's not an issue of polytheism, which is um, multiple gods. 
it still stays in the realm of monotheism because there is only one true God. Because throughout the text in the old scripture, it's always, I am, I am the God. First commandment, have no other gods before me. He's the one true God. He is species unique in, in saying that if there were other actual little gods, uh, <laughs> that he was still God of gods, right? Hence that phrase that we come across. Hence the, all of that being said throughout scripture that he is the one and only God, the only real God. Um, and not to have other gods, not to make idols, all that type of stuff. Monotheism is not being attacked or at stake when you study this out because it's not an issue of divine plurality because God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are species unique in that they are higher. They are, they are the only ones, none other uh, than I am. So... That's the issue a lot of people take, um, but it's not. A, it shouldn't be an issue really because it's still King of Kings, Lord of Lords. If there was these other beings that existed, well, we don't have a problem thinking of angels and demons. So why should we have a problem in thinking that there was these other beings that God created because He wanted to share uh, rule and authority with them to help delegate nations and all that. Supposedly there were 70. That's why at the Tower of Babel they're spread, their languages are confused. In Deuteronomy 32, you cross-reference that. It talks about him setting the boundaries and allotting these uh, sons and whatnot, these other gods, to these certain nations. But he set aside Israel for himself. And Psalm 82, though, says, Hey, you're gods, but you aren't doing things right. You're not acting just at all therefore you're going to die as mere men so how can men just die as mere men right um so anyway uh the study of all that does not put monotheism at risk um because it's not that it's not an issue of the divine plurality because they weren't divine as god is divine or as jesus or the holy spirit and so polytheist um like Mormons are polytheists, so that would exclude them, right, from the camp of Christianity. But they actually believe that that many gods um, exist even today. Well, as far as the sons of God and the divine council, depending on your eschatology, um, they don't exist anymore. They have they have been bound and chained. They have been destroyed. Leviathan and the sea creatures and all that in Psalm 74, um, God has defeated them, and uh, Jesus came and to to interrupt all. Of, <laughs> if there were seventy gods placed over seventy nations, what's Jesus doing when he sends out the seventy? He's going and reclaiming every uh, every nation and every human uh, back uh, as his own. That's part of the gospel when you get into that. So um, anyway little bit of a rabbit trail there, but monotheism is not at risk or um, in danger when you talk about that. So um, one of the reasons why, in case I do an episode or episodes on that topic, 
which I will state that again, okay? So, also with Jesus then, the deity of Christ, you have the hypostatic union. And this states that Jesus is, is both God and man, all right? He's 100% God, 100% man. He took on the form of a servant by showing humility and humbling himself by being obedient to the Father. And the sufficiency of the sacrifice of Christ, all right, is completely sufficient to forgive the sin sins of the world and it's only through his sacrifice that anyone can be saved so faith in him faith alone grace alone in jesus gets us to the father so as god um it's only a perfect sacrifice to god is able to cleanse us from the identification of sin to place us in the identification of christ this is why Jesus, who is God in flesh, died. All right, He died uh, for the sins of the world, 1 John 2, 2, um, and only God could do that. As a man, though, Jesus must be man to be able to be a sacrifice for man, right? Um, therefore, he can be the mediator between God and man. This is 1 Timothy 2, 5. For there is one God, and one mediator also between God and men, the man, Jesus, or Christ Jesus. All right? So he is both. He wasn't just a man. That's why I get <laughs> hyped up on the kenosis doctrine. If he was only man filled with the Holy Spirit, he could not have, have uh, been the sacrifice. He could not have died for the sins of the world. He could, have not, he could not have been a mediator between God and man because... Um, uh, he had to, well, he could be, a, could have been, sorry, he could have been, as a man, he could have been a mediator, but he has to be the whole mediator. He plays the place of high priest and the sacrifice, all right? He has to be both in order to fulfill both and for it to work. And several times he speaks of, speaks of his deity or his divinity over and over again. You can check out the episode uh, called Jesus's I Am Statements, where we go over that. All right, so... That then brings us to salvation by grace. Now, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Galatians 5, 4 says, You have been uh, sever severed from Christ. You, who are seeking to be justified by law, you have fallen fallen from grace all right so the verse in the context then plainly teaches that if you believe that you are saved by faith and works then you're not saved all right it's a common error because someone usually then has a false version of jesus or gospel so therefore they will have a false doctrine of salvation um because you cannot add to the work of god it's not a work faith isn't a work now you end up believing, but is that a is that a work? No, it's a result of faith. It's 
kind of complicated to understand. <laughs> so, but it's not of work. You're not saved by works. You're saved by faith. It's through faith, actually, through faith, by grace. And this is all the work that God does to all of us because he's reconciled to us, to himself. Therefore, he's restored favor to us. So, um, in Galatians 2.21 says, I do, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. So, um, it, and it goes time and time again, uh, Romans 3.20, Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Romans 4.5, but to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly as faith is credited as righteousness. And Galatians 3.21 um, Is the law then co contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. For if a law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. But it was not. Salvation um, um it is by faith alone because of grace. It's the, it's being reconciled as well. It's forgiveness of sin. It's being removed, being saved from condemnation, and that judgment that's upon us uh, for death, eternal death, a spiritual death, and an eternal physical death. It's being for, forgiven of sin, being forgiven and removed from condemnation, being redeemed, being restored from the identification of sin to the identification of Christ. Um, and all of this is actually accomplished by faith alone, and that's it. And you read Romans 4. Um, so there are others. Um, Mormonism would say it's would is going to be a universal resurrection. That's wrong. Roman Catholicism denies salvation by grace through faith alone. Um, so th that's why I've said before it's a false religion. Not all of them are or deny that. I understand that. But I'm saying Roman Catholicism and what they believe in, their essential doctrines, denies these things. Okay. So from that, you go to the resurrection of Christ then, all right? If if. Uh, you know, First Corinthians fifteen, all of that. Like, it, it, if Christ has not been raised, then our our preaching, our teaching is useless, and so is our faith. Um, our faith is futile. We're still in our sins. To deny the actual physical resurrection, then, is to deny, to deny that Jesus's work uh, was was enough. Um, it would mean that Jesus was corrupt and needed to stay in the grave, but he did not. Did he? No, because he was sinless. He was perfect. The sacrifice was perfect. So there's plenty of verses, 1 Corinthians 15, that, that clearly state that if you say that Jesus did not rise from the dead um, in the same body that he died in, which would go with John 2, 19 and 21, then your faith is of no use at all. All right? So all of that then uh, uh, is... Uh, a accumulates then into the gospel, right? All of this is part of the gospel. We have Galatians 1, uh, 8 and 9, but, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach uh, another gospel 
that we've pre- then the one that we've preached to you, let them be under God's curse or let them be damned. Uh, as we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's uh, condemnation. Let them be eternally condemned is, is what he says there. Um, th- these are self-declarative um, here in the statement that you must believe this gospel. The gospel message in its entirety is that Jesus is God in flesh who died for sins, rose from the dead, freely gives the gift of eternal life to all those who believe. Right? Uh, furthermore, it would it would not be possible to present the gospel properly without declaring that Jesus is God in flesh. Right? Taking John 1, 1, John 1, 14, John 10, 30 through 33, uh, <laughs> All the ones I've stated earlier over and over. And and then 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4 defines what the gospel is. Um, when, when Paul says, I, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you. As of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So within those verses, you have that Christ is God in flesh, salvation is received by faith, and therefore it is by grace, and the resurrection is mentioned here also. So this gospel message automatically includes the essentials. All right. So then, then we hit upon monotheism for a moment, which I've pretty much already said these, but there is only one God, one true God, all right? That you shall have no other gods before me, God says. You shall not make for yourselves an idol or any uh, likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water underneath the earth, all right? You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the of the fathers on the children on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Now that don't get hung up on that visiting the iniquity of the fathers uh, and generations and all that <laughs> there that <coughs> is not, excuse me. It's not generational curses. All right. So <laughs> it's just not. So just don't get hung up on that. Okay. So, on top of all those is when theology says there are secondary essentials. Um, these aren't the uh, secondary issues, though, that we call. These are actually secondary essentials to the main essentials, okay? <laughs> so, uh, not to, but the essential doctrines, like I said, have these, these, these sub, you know, like you're making an outline. Here's uh, reason one, and then there's why reason one, A, B, C, whatever, right? That would include then that Jesus is the only way to salvation, all right? It's only through him, not through any other means, not through works, not through other religions, not through other gods, not by trying to be a morally good person, all right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus declared that he was the only access to God the Father. So to deny this is to deny what Jesus said. Along with that is his virgin birth. Without the virgin birth, um, we we don't have the the doctrine of the incarnation of Jesus being God in flesh. 
that would put um, at risk what um, what Jesus uh, says in uh, John eight twenty four. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. All right. The, the virgin birth is necessary to the doctrine of incarnation and believing in Jesus and being God in the flesh and doing what he did and being 100% God, 100% man. And all of that then comes to the doctrine of the Trinity, um, which we, we should all know it's not is not represented by a single verse per se, though it's usually hinted at. Um, you arrive to the conclusion of the doctrine of the Trinity uh, with a uh, syst- by systematically looking at the totality of Scripture, all right? Um, there's many times throughout Scripture it's there. Um, Jesus also says, Go baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that, that's Matthew 28, 19, all right? There's... Um, you, you see the three when Jesus gets baptized, and there are several other, other scriptures, all right? But nevertheless, the proper representative uh, or repre- representation of scriptural revelation c- concerning the nature of God is the Trinity, and it's in scripture. Um, and the Trinity is denied by, uh, by other religions like Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, Islam, and whatnot. All right, so that's basically it on those. Um, that the deity of Christ, Jesus is the proper object of our faith. That includes the Trinity, his um, hypostatic union, monotheism, salvation by grace, uh, grace alone, faith alone, um, the resurrection of Christ, his ascension, then the gospel that encompasses all of those things and um, that Jesus is the only way to salvation, which then includes his incarnation, the virgin birth and the doctrine of the Trinity seems a little repetitive, but it's all there and you hit upon it in those ways. These are what the Bible itself reveals as the doctrines that are essential to the Christian faith and what the Bible says are necessary. There's, it's, by, it's not at all exhaustive, but these are the absolute core and, and, and essentials. I'm sure some people would disagree and want to argue on that. We also would want to put in things like the uh, inerrancy and the sufficiency, <laughs> sufficiency of Scripture as well. Um. And, and, you know, um, there's always going to be something that was some disagreement, you know, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to sit here and say, it doesn't matter what you believe on pages one and two on a six literal six day creation or not. It's what the Bible says. If we can understand what that means through Hebrew and it just being day, it was six literal days. If you start to say maybe it wasn't and we start to allegorize it or start to open the door to other interpretations or ideas right at the beginning, then you're going to open that. That door is going to be wide open for the rest of Scripture as well. So I think there are um, some some dangers in that. And I would say 
you know, it says God created everything in six days. So let's just say it's six days. You know, does it say how long a day is? No. <laughs> Seems like days have stayed this a day, though, in the way that we see days ever since then. So, but it, um, it, <laughs> some people will say it's absolutely necessary and essential to agree with that. Um, I'm just going to say, watch yourself and be careful because I study all sorts of things. So, um, that's when discernment is necessary and very helpful and to listen to the Holy spirit to say, if you should go down that path or not, or if you start going down a certain path and a flag comes up, Whoa, where's this heading? Where's this going to take me? Where's this going to end up here? Is this going to be a crisis in my my actual faith in Christ, things like that. Well, that's up to you to, to discern and to um, try to figure out and just try to keep it in the bounds of Scripture and um, at the end of the day know that Scripture has the final word on whatever is being taught, whatever is being read, whatever is being listened to, and all that, all right? So <laughs> I could rabbit trail on, on, this, on this topic over and over and over, like just keep going, but I'm going to leave it at that. All right, there's another episode. If you have any questions, comments, disagreements, send them my way at the Kingdom Project Podcast at gmail.com. And until next time, be a mustard seed, be leaven. Thanks for listening. <laughs>